Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Club pod. My name is Troy Miller and I am the host of this podcast. Well, today we're going to be talking about fear and faith. So we're going to talk a little bit um, and dive into what it means to live a God-fearing life um, and and embrace the path of faith. So um, it's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but I think it's a really important um, message that I'm sharing with you today. Um, And I just hope that you can take a little bit out of this um, and it can answer some of the questions of some of the people that I've got through my emails. Um, I've, I will answer two or three questions today that I have received through the emails. Um, and remember that if you want to ask me a question or just even send me a message um, about anything, you can email me at thebornagainclubpod at gmail.com. Anyway, let's jump straight into our prayer. So if everyone would bow their head with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you with a heart full of gratitude and reverence. Thank you for the gift of life and for the opportunity to walk the path of God uh, of a God-fearing Christian. As I navigate this journey, I ask for your guidance and strength to uphold the values and humility, obedience and love that define this calling. Lord, I am thankful for the blessings you have bestowed upon me. My life, my family, and my friends are all gifts from your generous hand. Help me to cherish them, Lord, and nurture these relationships. Always strive to reflect your love and grace in my interactions with them. Lord, in my pursuit of being a God-fearing Christian, I recognize the challenge of forgiveness I bring before you those who have wronged me, and I ask for the strength to release any bitterness, anger, or resentment that I may hold or be holding on to. Lord, just as you have forgiven me, teach me to extend forgiveness to others, knowing that it sets both my heart and their hearts free. Lord, grant me the wisdom to always seek your face and to walk humbly in your presence. May my reverence for you be a guiding light in my decisions, interactions, and thoughts. Fill me with your spirit so that I may live a life that honors you and aligns with your perfect will. Lord, I thank you for your unconditional love and the privilege of being called your child. May my life serve as a testimony to your transformative power, and may others see your light shining through me. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, let's get straight into it. So, I wanted to delve into the topic um, that I believe is of paramount importance. Um, The significance of living a God-fearing life. Um, in a world full of distractions and temptations, it's easy to lose sight of our spiritual journey. Yet, by grounding ourselves in a God-fearing life, we open our hearts to wisdom and grace that come from walking hand-in-hand with our Lord. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 reminds us 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, to fear the Lord is not to be afraid of him, in the sense of trembling, but rather it's an awe-filled reverence and respect for the Almighty. This reverence propels us to seek his wisdom, understanding and guidance in all aspects of our lives. Living a God-fearing life leads us to cultivate a heart of humility. And in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4, we read, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So when we humble ourselves before God, acknowledging his sovereignty, we open ourselves up to his blessings. Not just material wealth, but also the riches of his love, peace, and eternal life. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 9, it encourages us, Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. So our trust in God and our willingness to live according to his will um, will create a deep sense of fulfillment and completeness in our lives. As we surrender our fears and worries to him, take, um, he takes charge, providing for our needs and guiding our steps. Living a God-fearing life also involves embracing the call to righteousness. And again, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6, it reminds us, By the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. So, when we fear God, we are compelled to turn away from sin and walk in righteousness. This transformation begins within us, reshaping our desires and actions, aligning with the values of our Creator. And just as a testimony um, from my own life, I can attest to that. Um, when we when we turn away from sin and we start to walk in the down the path of righteousness, transformation happens, um, and it happens a lot quicker than you anticipate. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a really good. Really good verse to keep in mind. A God-fearing life is marked by a heart overflowing with love for others. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it teaches us, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So as we experience the perfect love of God, we are empowered to love others selflessly and generously, dispelling fear and sharing his grace. So just to wrap this part up, um, embracing a God-fearing life is not a burden, but a blessing. It is a path that leads to knowledge, humility, abundance, righteousness and love. So, while we, we finish up on this first part of the podcast, let us hold on to the words of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, where it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, 
and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So as we walk this journey of faith together, let us remember that the fear of our Lord is our guiding light, our source of strength and our ultimate purpose. May we continually seek his face, live according to his ways and experience the joy that comes from a life grounded in reverence for our Heavenly Father. So we'll move on straight away to the questions that I got in the emails um, last week. Um, And the first question that I've got here was actually... So obviously... I'm going I'm getting a lot of emails but I'm picking out the questions um, that relate to the specific topic that I'm going to be covering um, in each individual podcast so um, if you are listening and you haven't heard your question um, read out or answered um, it's not that I've like skipped over it or I've I've ignored it it's it could come in a later date. It's just if it's not specific to the podcast, I'm, I um I'll wait until it is. So I've got a couple of questions here that were specific to this topic. Um, and so the first one it says, "What does it mean to be a God fearing Christian?" And so I'll try and answer it um, as best I can um, through the knowledge that I have so far um, as a born-again Christian um, and just from my perspective. Um, So to be a God-fearing Christian means to live a life marked by reverence, respect and awe for God. It involves cultivating a deep relationship with God based on love, obedience and humility. And so now here are a few aspects key aspects that i've that i've jotted down here um and there's 10 of them so number one reverence and awe being a god-fearing christian involves recognizing the greatness and majesty of god it's about approaching him with a sense of reverence and awe acknowledging his sovereignty over all creation number two obedience A God-fearing Christian strives to obey God's commandments and follow his teachings as revealed in the Bible. This obedience stems from a genuine desire to honour and please God rather than out of fear of punishment. So basically, I I guess what that that saying there is... um, the obedience stems from genuine desire to honor God. So it stems from genuine desire to walk down the path of righteousness, to turn away from sin, to turn away from temptation. Not just because you fear the punishment um, of, of hell um, when you die, but because you actually love God. And because you believe in God and you believe that Jesus died for us on the cross um, and you respect that Jesus died for us on the cross for all our sins, but you want to steer clear from sinning. Number three is humility. 
Humility is at the core of a God-fearing life. It makes recognizing one's own limitations and weaknesses in the presence of an almighty God. It involves putting aside pride and submitting oneself to God's will. Number four, trust. Trust is essential. It is an essential element of being a God-fearing Christian. Trusting in God's wisdom, love, and providence helps believers navigate life's challenges and uncertainties with confidence. Number five, seeking wisdom. God-fearing Christians understand that true wisdom comes from God. They seek his guidance and wisdom in making decisions and facing various situations, knowing that God's ways are higher than human ways. And um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll testify to that. Um, so lately, you know, there's, there's always change in life. There's always opportunities that come up in life, and we love to take opportunities Um you know, we always say, oh, gee, I'd, I'd love for that to happen to me or I'd love to take that opportunity um, or be given that promotion or to be given that chance to, to do that thing. Whatever it may be, um, the best thing you can do is just pray to God. And that's not that's not praying to say, hey, God, look, mate, um, I'm... I'm I've been talking to you, I'm getting pretty good at this Christian thing now, how about you just give me a couple of handouts here and there. We've got to remember that we have to have conversations with God to seek his wisdom because he's already got a plan for our lives. Um, so we just need to be in communication with him to be able to receive the signs um, or, or receive God's word that comes back to us in, in many different ways. Um and just trust him. So going back to the trust thing, just trust that he has our best, um, has the best intentions for us, and he will take us to where we need to be. So even if you pray, and the thing that you're wanting doesn't actually happen, or yeah, like you you miss out on that opportunity that you've been praying for, you have to remember that you can't get angry and blame God. Um, and you can't just turn your back on him. You got to be like, well, God wasn't. That wasn't in God's plans for me. I prayed for it. I took the punt. I always ask God if it's in Your will, God. I'd be happy for the opportunity. But if it's not in Your will, and somebody else gets the opportunity, well, because we we love everyone, we're happy for that other person, and we trust that God will take us to where we need to be. Anyway, turning on to number six, repentance. Recognizing the reality of sin. A God-fearing Christian is quick to acknowledge their mistakes and shortcomings. They approach God with a repentant heart, seeking forgiveness and desiring to turn away from sin. Number seven, love for others. A God-fearing Christian is driven by love for God. And for fellow human beings, they strive to treat others with kindness, compassion, and respect, reflecting the love and grace that they have received from God. Now, from my experience, there's only one way that you can continue to have love for others 
and be able to strive to treat others with kindness, compassion, and respect, and 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 to be really driven by the love of God, and that is to make sure that you continue, continue to meditate on God's word, study the Bible, pray, make sure that you're getting the word in in you every single day, because the moment you have a couple of days off, and and this is this is true for me. Um, I like to be real um, with you all and honest. For me, if I have a couple of days off, I find that um, some of these, 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 these things that I start to struggle with, um, or I forget about. Um, so you really have to meditate and and just study God's word to make sure that you are consciously living with all those all those things because this we live in a fallen world and the, and and the devil if he if he catches a sniff of you starting to wander he will snatch you up quicker than you could even imagine so make sure that you're always always getting god's word number 8 gratitude gratitude is a natural response for a god-fearing heart Recognizing God's blessings and provision, a God-fearing Christian expresses thankfulness in all circumstances. And again, every morning I wake up, I say, thank you, God, for giving me another day. Because he doesn't have to, and it may not be in his plan for me to have an extra day. We never know how long we've got on this planet, let alone um, knowing whether we're going to get um, a new car or a new job or that... that um, that girl might re- respond to a text message and um, you may get to go on a date or anything like that. So you, you, have, to be, you have to show gratitude and you, you have to give thanks to God every single day. And um, every single day I try to make sure that when I start my morning prayer, I always say thank you God for giving me the opportunity to live another day or, or just to live in this moment. Number nine, hope and comfort. Trusting in God's promises, a God-fearing Christian finds hope and comfort. Even in the midst of challenges and trials, they know that God is always present and working for their good. And again, that goes back to my point um, that no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what your needs or your wants are, God provides hope and comfort. And we must always acknowledge in the fact that God is always present and he's always working for our good. The final part of this question, number 10, eternal perspective. Being a God-fearing Christian involves keeping an eternal perspective. We understand that this earthly life is temporary and that our ultimate goal is to be with God for eternity. So, in summary, being a God-fearing Christian is about aligning one's life with the principles and the values of the kingdom of God. It's a journey of growing in faith, deepening one's relationship with God, and striving to live a life that reflects His love, grace, and His holiness. All right, I hope that you were able to get um, what you were looking for out of that question. 
uh, or added that answer to your question um, for the person that sent that that question in. Um, if you're listening, which I I hope you are, um, I appreciate all my listeners, and it's my um, listenership is really starting to grow and expand. So um, you know, I'm really blessed, and I thank you all. Um, for continuing to support my podcast anyway we'll move on to the next question and it and it says will god actually punish us for not believing jesus died for our sins so the question of whether god will punish individuals for not believing in jesus's sacrifice for their sins is a theological <clears throat> sorry a theolo- a theological Sometimes my mouth and my tongue don't want to work together. Now, you've probably picked that up over some of the the other episodes that you've listened to. So, the question of whether God will punish individuals for not believing in Jesus' sacrifice for their sins is a theological topic that has different interpretations within the Christian faith. Different Christian denominations and theologians hold varying perspectives on this matter. Let me... Um, let me just outline a few of the viewpoints. And we went over these viewpoints a couple of episodes ago. So um, just before my last... So yes, two podcasts ago, we went over some of these views. So we'll just go over them again. Number one is the exclusivist view. Some Christian traditions hold the belief that faith in Jesus Christ is necessary for salvation. And those who do not believe in him will face eternal separation from God. This perspective sees Jesus' sacrifice as the only means of reconciling humanity with God. Um, And the rejection of this belief results in spiritual consequences. Um, And look, you don't have to... Not everyone falls into one of these... um, like you could have many views so for me i'm kind of in the middle of number one and number two here so number two is the inclusivist view so i'm kind of in between exclusivist view and inclusivist view um because i just have faith that god um has that grace um let me just go over the second point. So, inclusivist view. Other Christians emphasize that the inclusivity of God's love and grace, suggesting that while faith in Jesus is important, God's mercy might extend to those who, due to circumstances beyond their control, have not had the opportunity to hear about Jesus' sacrifice. In this view, God judges individuals based on their response to the knowledge that they have received. So, basically, from that, so where my my views conflict, so... I I believe that um, those who have been made aware of the story of Jesus, those who have been made aware of the gospel, um, that that blatantly ignore it and and or or, or turn away from it, um, they have to face the eternal separation from God. But those who believe it wholeheartedly um and they they accept jesus as their as their savior um and they will get to walk um in eternity with jesus but so the but the other point that i struggle with is um people from other countries that may not have had 
the opportunity because of where they are to actually um, to actually hear the story of our Lord and Saviour. Um, and, and that also extends to, um, you know, babies and, and younger kids that can't really understand or take on the concept of, um, of Jesus um, and his, his salvation. So for me, and this might be a hopeful view, but I just know that God's so great that, um, you know, surely his grace extends to those people um, who, who haven't had the opportunity to learn and understand what it is to be a Christian and 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 to, to learn that Jesus was sent down by God to die on the cross for our sins and to resurrect, to fulfill to fulfill his promise. Um, so yeah, just to give a brief overview of, of those two things. So it can be conflicting, um, and obviously I'm still new to this relatively, so I need to keep on studying and, um, you know, um, meditating on the word and getting as much in as I can so I can understand um, that side of things a lot better. There's another... There's another view, and it's the universalist view. So some Christians believe in universal salvation, suggesting that God's love and grace are so all-encompassing that ultimately all souls will be reconciled to God, regardless of their beliefs in life. Now, I guess that one I struggle with because just for the simple fact that, um, you know, if you're given the opportunity to learn about the gospel, someone teaches you about Jesus and you turn your back and you don't want to know it, um, then I don't know because it says in the Bible that the only way to the only the only way to God is through Jesus. Um, and so I feel if you um, have other faiths or you believe in different sorts of belief systems, then um, unfortunately that's not the way. Um, to get to heaven because we all sin regardless of our beliefs or our religion um, so the only way is through um, Jesus because of his um, because of his salvation um, all right and there is one more one more view and it's called conditional immorality view so Another perspective often associated with annihilationism suggests that those who do not believe in Jesus may face a form of punishment or separation from God, but the focus is on the concept of eternal destruction rather than eternal conscious torment. So that's just people um, who believe that if you die... well. Not if you die, but when you die. If you didn't believe in Jesus, um, you'll just cease to exist. You'll just disappear into the nothingness and there won't be a conscious being anymore. And those who do believe will walk in heaven with Jesus. Um, but that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible teaches us that um, if you don't believe, you'll go to the fiery lake. So... Um, but that's just my perspective now there's many different perspectives and um, you know it's okay to 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 really look into these perspectives and do your research and make sure that you you um, 
having conversations with your pastor or um, your ministers and um, or other Christian friends and just really you know talk about these things because it's, it's it's very important that we understand as Christians the truth. Um, so as I said, I'm stuck on one and two, the exclusivist view and the inclusivist view. But um, so I will definitely be um, going out of my way to with with these questions that I have to um, talk to to pastors or other Christian friends to try and figure it out for myself. It's important to note that interpretations of theological matters can vary widely and individuals' beliefs may fall into any of those categories or somewhere in between, so like mine. What's consistent is that faith and belief play a central role in Christian understanding of salvation, but the specific implications of those who do not believe in Jesus' sacrifice differ according to these interpretations. So basically, everyone believes that if you believe in Jesus, you get to go to heaven. The unknown view is what happens if you don't believe or you haven't had the opportunity to believe. Um, so that's where there's grey area. So when seeking answers on matters of faith, it's a good idea to consult with religious leaders, theologians and study reputable sources with your specific Christian tradition to gain a more comprehensive understanding of the beliefs and teachings. So I hope that that was able to answer your question to the listener who sent that question in. Um, I hope that I answered it okay for you. Um, But I just, yeah, I really encourage you, um, if you have, if that is a a question that um, is big on your heart, then you should um, go and have a conversation with your religious leader, your pastors, your ministers, um, you know, mentors, whatever. All right, we'll get straight on to the last question. Um, and it is, what does the Bible say about people who do not believe Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected? Okay, so we basically covered um, covered that with the last question. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a gray area. Um, but let's actually dive in now and have a look and see what the Bible says. So the Bible addresses the concept in belief in Jesus' death for our sins and resurrection in several passages. The passages emphasize the importance of faith in Christ for salvation and eternal life. So let's go through let's go through five verses. So in, uh, the first one is in John, and this is a famous verse. The, um, the first part of this verse is one of the most well-known verses for anybody, whether you're Christian or not. And it's John 3.16, but we'll, we'll read through to um, verse 18 as well. So it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name 
of God's one and only Son. So if we're to back pedal, um, so as I said, I was stuck in between the inclusivist and the exclusivist. So what? So my interpretation through that verse alone, John three sixteen to eighteen, is where it says, "Whoever believes in Him is not condemned." Whoever believes. So through me, that means that they have to have had prior knowledge to 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 be able to believe in something. Because if they haven't got prior knowledge in something, then it's impossible for them to be able to believe. So my my interpretation would be that someone who hasn't had the chance to hear about Jesus, to hear about his sacrifice, to hear about his whole story, um, they don't have the opportunity to be able to believe. So I feel like God's grace covers them. That's, that's people that haven't had the chance. So babies, younger children, people in countries that don't practice Christianity, um, it probably comes back onto how they've lived their lives, whether they've 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 been, um, you know, good people. You know, I'd like to think that babies and children that die are innocent, um, and that God's grace covers them, and that's my hope. Um, and so, yeah, so that that's a good verse that helps me believe that, um, you know, the people who have missed out, um, still have the opportunity to be saved and get to walk with Jesus and and meet him and learn about him um, for all eternity. In John uh, verse sorry, in John chapter fourteen, verse six it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I just want to say that one, that verse again, because I love it. I absolutely love it. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a powerful verse, um, and it, it gets the emotions flowing um a little bit but you know it's just that's basically the basis of our whole faith right there in one one little sentence i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and it's just boom straight up that's as blunt as you can be you can't get to the father through any other um any other avenue except through me um, and I'd like to think again for the people who haven't had the opportunity to learn about Jesus that He will be there to guide them. Um, so they, in 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 way, will be going through Jesus to get to God, because He'll advocate for them at the gates. Um, the third verse I want to go over is Acts chapter four, verse twelve, and it says, "Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind." by which we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. Um, and again, you know, I could keep rattling on again about the um, the the other 
um, side of that where um, you know people haven't had the opportunity to learn. But I, I think I'll for the for the sake of not um, rambling on for too much, I, I'll forget about that for now, and I'll just go through the last two verses. So, um, so the fourth one, Romans chapter ten, verses nine to ten. It says, "If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord." And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So it's very important that you believe wholeheartedly. Everything in your heart, you need to believe that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus did die for our sins and you need to declare it with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. The last verse we'll go over is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. And it says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So basically, um, you know, it's a bit of a, a dampener, that verse. But it's this reality, because that's what faith is. So if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But if he hasn't been raised, then we've got nothing to worry about anyway, because we go into nothingness. This is what I, I like to say. You know, you've got an atheist, and you've got myself having a debate, and they go, why? And I say, well, because it's faith. I genuinely believe Jesus died for us, and that is my faith. And the reason is that there's a reward at the end of my life, that my life doesn't end. I live eternity with Jesus. But if... So, um, I've really got nothing to lose. Because if if it's not real, then and I cease to exist, well, I'm not going to know anyway. Atheists have everything to lose. You know, because if they die and there's nothing, well... Well, so be it. There, there, there's nothing there anymore. They cease to exist. But if if atheists are wrong, and I, I'd bet my house on it that they are wrong, they've got to spend eternity in the lake of fire with Satan. So, and that is my... That is my... Um, my argument to all I don't get into theological arguments or debates and I don't try to use the Bible well you know if I don't know the Bible well well enough to be able to debate well enough with the Bible but you know that's that's my argument I've got nothing to lose I've got everything to gain I've got nothing to lose you have everything to lose and nothing to gain nothing to gain at all so again if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But our faith gives us uh, an eternity with our Lord. It gives us everything to gain. So just remember that. If you ever find yourself struggling with your faith, just remember that. If you're ever struggling and having doubts, make sure you talk to a, a religious leader or a pastor or somebody or just anyone, a Christian friend. Um, but just remember in your heart, you know, even if you're struggling with the concept sometimes the, in the story of Jesus, just our faith 
gives us eternity with Jesus. It gives us everything. Everything. Okay, so those verses emphasize that belief in Jesus uh, and his sacrificial death for our sins and his resurrection is absolutely central to the Christian faith and salvation. They indicate that faith in Jesus is the means by which individuals are reconciled with God and receive the gift of eternal life. The Bible underscores that those who reject this foundational belief are missing out on the pathway to salvation. So the Bible underscores that only those who reject just highlight that word, those who reject this foundational belief are missing out on the pathway to salvation. So next time you're having a conversation with an atheist and they say, oh, why does God let babies die, blah, 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 blah. Well, we don't know God's will. We don't know what he's setting up in somebody else's life. I've had a lot of people um, pass away in my life and it's set up other things in my life and I can see that now looking back if certain things hadn't hadn't have happened in my life I wouldn't be right here where I am now um so you know if Jesus um sorry if God takes a baby away or a small child away from someone yeah it's absolutely devastating it's sad it's one of the worst things that can happen to to a parent or a, a sibling or anything you know aunties uncles grandparents it's the worst thing in the world to lose a child but we have to keep in mind that it's god's will it's his plan um and from this these verses i just want you to take out that the bible underscores and you can argue this with atheists the the bible underscores that those who reject this foundational belief are missing out on the pathway to salvation babies can't reject Small children can't reject. They haven't um, got the ability to acknowledge Jesus as their saviour. So I hope that gives comfort to some people out there who have also um, lost children and have thought, oh, I wonder if I'm ever going to get to see them again. Yes, I believe that you will. Um, And I think that the scriptures, the way that I interpret it, says that so it's important to note that different christian denominations and theologians may interpret these verses slightly differently however the general consensus among mainstream christian traditions is that faith in jesus and his atoning work is integral to salvation according to the biblical teachings so it's just important it's the most important thing to remember is the way the way to eternal salvation with Jesus, with God, is to believe that Jesus came down and he died on the cross and he ris- He was risen three days later um, to fulfill his promise or God's promise. And um, yeah, so remember... Um, just to to wrap this up because I'm going to wrap the podcast up now. Um, we we're not we don't fear God in a trembling sort of way. We we don't want to um, 
you know, it's not about being scared of God. It's about, um, it's about living an awe-filled life. Um, and it's an awe-filled reverence and a respect to our Almighty God. So we need to seek his wisdom, understanding and guidance in all aspects of our life. And understand that God is our creator. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And it's his will with whatever happens in our lives. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Um, I know this one's been a bit of a... Maybe a heavier one for some people, um, but I just want to thank you for continually um, tuning in and listening um, and, and, and supporting me. Um, I love to spread the word um, as I'm learning. Um, obviously, I'm new to, to my faith again. Well, I'm, I'm born again. I've come back in, and so I'm still learning, but this gives me the perfect opportunity to study the Bible in a way um, and be able to share it. Um, and get my words out so it helps me understand and interpret the bible sometimes i i'm working out um, interpretations in my head as we go along in the podcast so um, thank you for listening and thank you for giving me the opportunity um, to be able to grow my faith by sharing by sharing the word with you and sharing my interpretations Um, until next weekend everybody have an have a blessed week um, and remember, as I always say, if you've got anything weighing you down at the at this point in time, um, anything at all, lift it up and lay it at the feet of God, because none of our issues on this on this earth belong to us. Pray for provision, um, pray for guidance, and have trust that God will lead the way, and He will take you to where you need to be. He will get you through that storm, no matter how big that storm is. If you keep praying and have trust and faith in our Lord, He will lead you out. Thank you for listening. Stay blessed and I'll talk to you all again next week.